Invite Me In, A Good Omens Podfic, written by Phoenix Saw and read by Job. Summary In a world where angels and demons aren't the only supernatural beings to walk the earth, Crony faces a higher ordeal when he's turned into a hybrid monster. He is resigned to his fate until an unexpected offer of help arrives from someone who should be his enemy. It was nearly a quarter to eleven when Crowley let himself into the rooms above the bookshop. He slipped in through a window that opened into a bedroom, the one that had, for nearly a century now, opened for him and him alone. Like the hundreds of times Crowley had visited these apartments before, he could feel the ethereal static of the angelic wards enveloping the whole building. Hidden from human eyes, but each designed to keep out all sorts of creatures that prowled the world when the sun disappeared. All except for him. The bedroom was dark, lit only by whatever light from the moon and gas street lamps allowed in by the lone window. As always, it was cluttered inside, stacks of books gathering dust against the walls, odd bits and baubles decorating the cupboards and shelves, which were home to even more books, all encircling a single plush bed piled high with pillows and comfortable duvets in warm beige tones. In front of the bed stood a tall mirror, framed in burnished gold and gleaming polished silver. From its position, it reflects everything inside the room, except for Crowley. He backed into the shadows cast by a tall mahogany wardrobe, where he used up a smidge of his powers to suppress his occult aura. Then he looked to the bedroom door and patiently lurked. It didn't take long before the door creaked open on hinges that needed oiling. In stepped the one Crowley was lying in wait for, and the very side of him heightened the thirst that perpetually burned at the back of his throat, as well as the more recent one that pulled heat in his gut, tightening the stretch of his trousers over his groin. The angel looked much the same as he did when Crowley saw him just the previous month. He was dressed smartly in tan trousers and a velvet brown waistcoat over white shirt sleeves, with a tartan cravat fastened under his chin. His short blond hair was fluffed up in curls, accentuating his sharp blue eyes and further softening his round face which was currently flushed a gentle pink, probably from wine, indicating a happy post-meal drink. That was good. Crowley took care not to impose before the angel had had his dinner, unnecessary though sustenance was to one of his ilk. All things considered, Crowley would rather have him well-fed and content before he partook in his own meal. Humming a gentle tune under his breath, the angel waved a hand, sending a ripple of power that lit up the candles placed around his room. 
In front of the mirror, he idly began to undo his cravat. As his fingers turned to the buttons of his waistcoat, Crowley silently stepped forward to hover by the bed. From here, he could see the illuminated room clearly in the silvered glass, but aside from the oblivious angel, there was no other soul to be seen. Slowly, Crowley loosened his hold on his aura, allowing his unmistakable energy to reach out and mingle with the other's ethereal essence. Immediately, the angel went deadly still, the hitch in his breath audible. Mouth curving in a roguish smile, it was never not entertaining to see that reaction to his presence, only waited for the other to whirl around. Evening, Aziraphale. White blue eyes swept over the length of Crowley's body, as if to affirm his presence. Hello, Crowley, said Aziraphale at last, his voice so steady and crisp that one might be fooled into thinking he wasn't surprised. Goodness, is it that time of the month again? With a scoff, Crowley rolled his eyes, aware of how Aziraphale followed the movement. It wasn't the first time he'd caught Aziraphale staring at his cursed irises, sickly yellow rings framing slitted pupils, which must appear even more disconcerting in the golden glow of candlelight. Time of the month. Are you lumping me with the likes of bloody werewolves now? No, of course not. The color heightened in Aziraphale's cheeks. I wouldn't. You're not like them. Oh? Crowley fixed him with an amused grin, the kind he'd learned made Aziraphale's crumb with discomfort. How so, I wonder? Are the shapeshifters too uncivilized for your tastes? Aziraphale began to frown, straightening his posture and setting back his shoulders. Crowley! Or perhaps I'm the uncivilized one, hmm? Crowley drifted closer, licking his tongue over his upper lip in a manner he knew would show off the telltale glint of fangs. After all, You've gone to such lengths to keep me away from hapless humans. Must you wax me every single time? Aziraphale snapped, glowering at him. I meant nothing by that remark, as you well know. Crowley chuckled and stepped forward until he stood mere feet from the angel close enough that he could almost feel his ethereal nature brushing against his occult one. Two opposites in conflict that sparked and raged against each other. And yet, there was that other thing about opposites too, where repulsion turned in on itself and became the reverse. Crowley was not merely Aziraphale's antithesis, however. He was more than a demon, and it was for that very reason he was here. Why they had this arrangement between them. Did you have a good dinner tonight, Angel? 
Got your blood all sweet and nutritious for me? Aziraphale sighed, some of his annoyance abating. You know that's not how it works. We are always... He trailed off, flushing slightly. I mean, our bodies are made to be constantly... Pulsing with fresh blood? Only supplied, staggering. You're in a mood tonight, said Aziraphale tartly. Raising his eyebrows, he abruptly turned back to the mirror, blocking eyes on his own reflection. Over his shoulder was his bedroom, warm and cosy-looking in the golden glow, and nothing else. Let us proceed and be done with it. Crowley buried down the step of disappointment he felt at that, gloomily conceding that his attempt at teasing had not gone down as smoothly as it could have. His sense of humor tended down darker paths, edging on prickly and provocative, which more often than not ended up twisting thorns in a zero side. But at least he tried. These irritable exchanges were better than the alternative, the horribly awkward silences that had befallen them in the early months of this arrangement. Very well, then. Crowley stepped up behind Aziraphale, lightly resting his hands on his shoulders. The angel naturally tensed, and Crowley waited until he relaxed on his touch. Only then did he allow his hands to wander, sweeping forward to pull off the undone cravat, which he threw carelessly onto the bed behind. Aziraphale undid the rest of the buttons on his waistcoat and shrugged it off, while Crowley worked open his shirt sleeves. He pulled a shirt down his left shoulder, exposing just enough skin to ensure the clothes wouldn't be in danger of staining. The angel didn't take kindly to blood on his garments. Crowley looked into the mirror, where Xerophil's eyes focused in his direction, unseeing. Crowley felt a familiar thrill as he wound his fingers into Xerophil's hair, watching the blonde strands bunch up seemingly of their own accord. He guided Aziraphale to settle against his chest and tilted his head to the right, bearing the lovely arc of his neck. For a moment, the anticipation of what was to come hung thickly in the air. Then the vampire leant down and sunk his fangs into the inviting flesh. The first time, Crowley had not meant to fall. He'd asked questions and took up with what heaven deemed the wrong sort. His memories of the rebellion were blurred best, his sharpest recollections being the stench of boiling sulphur and the agony of his burning wings. Of crawling upon his belly for what seemed an eternity, before he was stuffed into a human shape and given new purpose among mankind. As for what he regarded as his second fall, Crowley hadn't so much faced a choice as had hell thrust a whole new punishment upon him. 
For thousands of years he'd wandered the earth as a mere demon, spreading mischief and whispering temptations. He'd even considered himself and the rest of his kind as the lesser terror for humans, compared to the other monstrosities the Almighty had seen fit to unleash upon the world. Where demons operated to only tempt and seduce, Crowley had watched the others, those fearsome creatures of the night, prowl and hunt and multiply their numbers. Creatures that could shift their bodies, thirsted for blood, always out to kill. Each and every one a predator, humans were forced to slay and defend against for their own survival. The damned, heaven had dubbed them. Soulless creatures that were another test of humanity's faith and fortitude. In the grand scheme, angels and demons tasked with merely winning human souls for their respective sides seemed like child's play next to the dangers that lurked in every shadow, Crowley had thought. Until the day, hell discovered that demonic corporations were also vulnerable to the effects these creatures had on mankind. That, like the humans who fell victim to the bites of lycanthropes, or were fed the venomous blood of the Lamia, the bodies of demons too could be turned, causing them into hybrid monsters plagued with the cravings and bloodlust of the damned. And what could be a worse punishment for misbehaving demons than to be damned all over again? To have a target painted upon your back, marking you for the monster slayers. Till the present day, Crowley regretted his mistake on the day Mount Vesuvius exploded. Not the misuse of his powers to miracle a handful of humans to safety, but rather his failure in detecting Hester's presence amid a raining fire. Rowley had paid for it with the blood of a captured vampire forced down his throat, condemning him to an eternity of raging thirst, forever scorching the back of his throat. They'd been doing this for nearly a hundred years, but it was no less thrilling every single time. That momentary push of resistance when Crowley bit down, the prick of skin breaking when his twin fangs pushed through, and then at last the rush of Aziraphale's blood in his mouth, hot and thick and coppery on his tongue. He'd fed on thousands of humans since the day he was turned. The metallic tang of blood was as familiar in his mouth as a sip of the rich wines he regularly indulged in. But none of them ever compared to Aziraphale, in a way Crowley had never been able to explain. Every feeding was both familiar and new, the taste of him salty and sweet, and the warm softness of his body and Crowley's arms just as delicious. Crowley's senses, attuned to every nuance of Aziraphale, marked the hitch in the angel's breath when he eased his fangs out of his flesh. 
blood bloomed from the little punctures, pulsing into Crowley's mouth in time with the fluttering he could feel on a Xerophil's neck. Breathing a content sigh, Crowley began to suck in long, indulgent sips that fought between cautious gentleness and voracious greed. He couldn't hold back the hums of pleasure that always escaped him when he had a zero fear like this. The pure relief of quenching, even temporarily, the savage thirst that left his throat burning, and the steady building of another hunger, one as old as the beginning of mankind, that had him pressing the front of his body against a Xerophil none too subtly. As he drank, he searched a Xerophil's face in the mirror. What with Crowley's lack of reflection, the angel appeared bent at an odd angle, his head tipped back against an invisible shoulder, and his body arching backwards in response to Crowley's push. It was such a simple touch, and yet Crowley revelled in the lewdness he could already detect on Aziraphale's reaction, the way his corporation betrayed his own interest. The angel was beautifully responsive. Despite the tension bordering on antagonism that always arose during these meetings, and the strain of their continuing failure to maintain affable communication, the passing of so many decades had eroded Aziraphale's previous reticence. He no longer hid the way his breathing changed when Crowley touched him, nor did he bite back his little gasps and moans when Crowley took his fill of him. What Crowley enjoyed the most was Aziraphale had become utterly unrepentant in his need for the vampire demon when they engaged in this specific transgression. He pressed back against Crowley, unashamedly wanton in a way he rolled his hips, rising sensually over where Crowley was steadily growing hard for him. And in the mirror... There was nothing to hide Aziraphale's own carnal desire, bulging in the crown of his trousers. For all that they didn't speak of it, this was for Crowley, and Crowley alone. With a pleased hum against Aziraphale's neck, Crowley dragged his hand down to the front of the angel's trousers. Crowley could never fully recollect the minutiae of his fall on the day he was turned. Two firsts, each as terrible as the other, the memories of which he was better off without. His next two firsts, though, were experiences he was fated to remember in vivid detail for the rest of his existence. He could recall the first time he'd fed nearly driven out of his mind with a thirst that clawed its way deep into his very essence, never to let go. Hell had unleashed him on the earth, as much a punishment to himself as to those that would fall victim to his facts. 
He couldn't remember what his first human had looked or sounded like, but he remembered the way they had kicked and fought in vain against his demonic strength, and the first taste of blood in his mouth to a haunting cacophony of horrifying screams. He remembered being out of control, unable to slake his thirst, no matter how deeply he drank, and he'd sucked and sucked until the body pinned beneath him went still and white and empty in more ways than one. He remembered throwing up the blood later, only for the thirst to return. A fiery ache that burned along his tongue and down his throat until it became unbearable, and the only relief was to give in and feed, feed, feed. Hell had done well, Crowley had thought bitterly, as his chin dripped red and his veins flowed with the lives he consumed. As a demon, he had no need for sustenance, but as a vampire, he could never rest without quenching his thirst. To resist was torture, and Crowley resigned himself to his fate, along with the handful of other demons that faced similar punishment. But if there was one predictable thing about him, it was rebellion and refusal to conform. In time, he'd learned to control his thirst, limiting his consumption from a single victim to the bare minimum, enough for him to walk away and leave the human well enough to recover. The key, Crowley determined, was to take small sips from a multitude of humans. A feeding spree once every two months could sustain him. He could have his fill with little to no unnecessary suffering. It was after several centuries of his careful control that Crowley encountered the next first he could never forget, the first time he was caught mid-feet by a singular angel. He'd snuck into a cemetery in the dead of night. It seemed fitting, he'd thought at the time, where he put to sleep a worker on the graveyard shift and proceeded to feed on him, intending to drink for a few minutes before he found someone else. He never got around to it, for there had been a flash of blinding light and a ripple of miraculous energy that sent Crowley flying off the human. He landed in a heap, nearly cracking his head open on a crumbling tombstone. Back, feed! roared a voice. Stirring feebly on top of a grave, Crowley looked up to find a figure glowing like he shone with the light of the sun. An angel, he knew immediately. The newcomer hovered over the sleeping human, cradling the body protectively as he glared at Crowley, all piercing blue eyes and white hair. You will not take this human's life for your own, vampire! Regaining his senses, Crowley leapt to his feet, just as the angel's expression changed, morphing from righteous fury to confusion and, eventually, recognition and shock. And Crowley remembered that he wasn't suppressing his aura right then. 
the angel could sense exactly what he was. A filthy hybrid. The thought crossed his mind before he gathered his powers and teleported himself away to the safety of his abode. In the days that followed, Crowley had tried to lay low. He fed even more rarely than usual, which only served to exacerbate his thirst and made him tetchy and irritable, but it was for the best. Angels and demons could sense each other on earth. They didn't typically seek the other out, being their duties focused more on influencing humans rather than intervening in the opposition. But there was an angel now that knew Crowley was a demon turned vampire, and he had no idea what that meant for him. Given his luck, though, he was hardly surprised when the angel tracked him down several months later. Crowley had set up a little shack by the sea in the south of England, where the angel, who introduced himself as a Xerophile, found him wandering the nearby beach. The strange conversation that ensued would shape the rest of Crowley's existence in ways he could have never foreseen. Nor would he give it up for any price. What are you? Aziraphale had asked as they faced each other borily, the sound of waves crashing on the shore in the background. Is that a rhetorical question? Crowley snorted, holding his arms and cocking his head. He was dressed casually in a worn tunic and pantaloons, and if he weren't so on edge about a potential smiting in his immediate future, he'd be amused by Aziraphale's look. The angel was dressed like a well-to-do ponce, everything from his gold brocaded jacket and embroidered waistcoat to his pale breeches and heeled shoes screaming luxury. Aziraphale's next words snagged his full attention. You're not like the others. I have seen what demons curse to be monsters do. They hunt humans for sport. They ravage them and drain them. But you... I track your movements, your feedings. You don't leave them for dead. Crowley bristled, his face twisting into a scowl. What the fuck are you, a monster slayer? I thought only humans did that. Or is this some new angelic duty I didn't get a memo about? Aziraphale ignored his snipe tone. But you do hurt them a bit, don't you? When you enthrall them, or... I don't enthrall them, Crowley hissed, taking a menacing step forward. You forget I'm a demon still. One snap of my fingers, and I put them to sleep. Either way, you feed on and weaken them. They recover, snapped Crowley, wondering why he was even defending himself to a bloody angel. He was a demon. By rights, he was supposed to hurt everyone. Not for days. I, I am a principality, Crowley. It's my duty to protect, and that includes whatever I can do to save humans from creatures of the night. 
I have done much research and study, and I discovered that while vampire bites on their own do not turn humans, the venom can have lasting effects on those particularly vulnerable. Rowley raised an eyebrow. You actively protect humans from the night creatures? I thought she created them as part of her plan to test humanity's faith in the face of... He waved a derisive hand, being fucking eaten alive or whatever. Aziraphale actually blushed then and averted his gaze. It's... um... Perhaps my acts to prevent creature attacks are not always, well, sanctioned, but... Hang on. Crowley stared at him. You protect humans behind heaven's back. Sniffing, Aziraphale drew himself up haughtily. I don't see why it oughtn't be part of my duties as a principality. Stunned? Crowley gaped at the angel for several seconds. Aziraphale's cheeks colored again, though he didn't look away this time. You're not like the others either, Crowley said frankly. Aziraphale blinked. Beg pardon? So why are you here? To beg me not to feed so you can protect your little humans? Tough luck, Principality. You might not know what vampiric thirst feels like, but I've been living with it for more than a thousand years, and it's fucking impossible to... Actually, Aziraphale interrupted, I thought we might come to an arrangement. One where humans aren't subject to your feeding, but you receive regular pills. Crowley blinked. How? The angel took a deep breath. You're aware, of course, that the corporations angels and demons wear are, at their foundation, not unlike human bodies. Right. There was a pause. The blood that runs in my veins is human enough. The realization of what Aziraphale was proposing hit Crowley like a sock to his gut. What? You... you're suggesting that I... Come to me for feeding, yes. It was impressive, really, how Aziraphale's voice didn't waver at all, despite the prominent blush on his face. That way we can avoid any harm to humans at all. And you have guaranteed feats without any worries. You're an angel, Crowley said flatly. Angel and no worries don't really go together for demons, you know. He tilted his head, squinting suspiciously. It sounds like a good deal. Too good, in fact. What's in it for you? Aziraphale's lips parted, surprised. For me? Nothing. Crowley snorted. Try again. My objective is to keep humans safe and unharmed. That would be achieved if you fed solely on me. Yeah, no one is that selfless. 
You're offering yourself as my bloody sustenance, Angel. What do you want in return? Aziraphale looked at a loss. I do not know what you expect me to say. I have told you the truth. I am willing, and you can take me at any time. It was the way he spoke that last sentence that convinced Crowley, all wide-eyed and earnest, as if he hadn't just uttered a proposition while the demon went hot around the collar and fidgeted. Crowley looked into Xerophil's eyes, so fervent and incredibly blue, as to give the lagoon a run for its money. Sighing, Crowley stuck out his hand. Fine, but I warn you, Angel, try to pull the wool over my eyes, and I will immolate your ass in hellfire. Vice versa, fiend, I wouldn't hesitate to drown you in a vat of holy water. Aziraphale returned grimly as he gripped Crowley's hand. Hard. Crowley detached from Aziraphale's neck for a few seconds while he undid the buttons on his trousers, slowly and carefully, the way he learned that Aziraphale liked to treat his clothes. The angel immediately made a low noise of protest at the loss of contact, tilting his head to unabashedly offer his neck again. Huffing a soft chuckle, Crowley kissed Aziraphale's neck directly over the punctures his fangs had left. He flicked his tongue around the wounds, careful not to lick and hear them yet, instead catching the dark blood traveling down the angel's skin. There wasn't any danger of ruining Aziraphale's half-undone shirt, but Crowley licked up every drop with meticulous care, while his hands were busy pushing down the angel's trousers and drawers to mid-thigh. In the mirror, he watched Aziraphale's cock spring free to bob lewdly in the air. The hem of his shirt nearly obscured it, and Crowley bunched up the fabric, not caring about any wrinkles he left. Aziraphale was breathing hard now, his lower body moving in slow rolls both dragging his unclothed ass over Crowley's tented crotch and silently begging to be touched when it began to leave. Crowley resisted the temptation at first, instead slipping his large hands under Xerophil's shirt to massage the rolls of fat around his plump hips. Xerophil huffed, but didn't grab Crowley's hands to guide them nor made any move to give himself relief. Such was the angel, unmistakable in what he wanted, but unfailing when it came to his own stance, leaving room for plausible deniability. Crowley found it as amusing as it was vexing, and it aroused him, egging him to push the angel to the ends of his holy limits. Aziraphale might like to play at innocence, but Crowley made sure to wreck that facade at every opportunity. And then the cycle would repeat, endless and eternal. Crowley didn't think he'd get sick of 
playing. He skimmed his palms over the rounded pouch of Aziraphale's belly, pressing in to trace the faint stretch marks over his pale skin. In the silvered glass he could just discern the shadowed wells that followed his invisible fingers across the angel's stomach. Impatience saturated Aziraphale's soft whimpers. With a low whine he snapped his hips back, pulling a muffled crone from Crowley at the sudden, near-painful friction over his clothed cock. Crowley glared at him in the mirror, hissing when he saw Aziraphale's lips twitch. The smug bastard! His fangs plunged back into Aziraphale's neck, and he wound his fingers around his cock, dragging roughly along the length to tease on a stripping head. Aziraphale gave a choked-off cry and sacked against Crowley. The demon easily bore his weight with a possessive arm over his middle, his other hand busy between Aziraphale's legs while he drank his fill again. When Aziraphale began to slowly rock his hips, bucking his cock into Crowley's fist, he idly wondered if the angel would, at long last, be amenable to be taken from the front. He imagined it for a torturous moment, what it would be like to have Aziraphale's face tilted up to meet his eyes before Crowley claimed his neck. To have the angel in a real embrace, his arms around Crowley, and his mouth gasping sweetly into Crowley's ear. He closed his eyes and pushed the images away. There was a reason they did it this way, why Crowley claimed the angel from behind, why they were in front of a mirror. It was good what they had, better than anything Crowley had thought he'd get to have when he was first turned. Foolish, really, to want more. The first time they had met under their arrangement, Aziraphale came to Crowley's residence, his reasoning being he wanted to prove his sincerity that he meant no harm. Crowley had agreed, hiding his surprise at the angel's consideration and willingness to enter an enemy's abode unarmed, though it was a stretch perhaps to consider either of them unarmed. He'd still been living in the little seaside shack, and Aziraphale met him on the beach outside, shining almost as brightly as the full moon over their heads. Nice night you picked, Crowley had quipped as he strolled over the sand to the angel. Aziraphale stood very still, like he was facing a wild animal he didn't want to spook. You're here to feed a lone bloodsucker while shapeshifters overrun the world until sunrise. On Crowley's part, it had been an attempt to make a light-hearted joke. He was as nervous as Aziraphale to be here, about to do something utterly unprecedented and dangerous to both, if their sights ever found out. What it ended up doing, however, 
has to set the tone for their future relationship, for lack of a better term. Humans have been defending themselves from werewolves and all manner of creatures on the full moon for thousands of years, Aziraphale said coldly. Their slayers know what they're doing and can survive a few hours without angelic assistance. War there wasn't criticizing. Crowley held up two hands in a jaunty gesture of surrender. Aziraphale's lips remained pursed, and he averted his gaze from Crowley's. He waved a hand. Go on, then. Take me. You need not limit yourself like you do with humans. Crowley frowned at the slight dismissiveness, the underlying message of, let's get this over with. Aziraphale clearly didn't want to be here, not that it should upset Crowley. It was the angel that had pushed for this deal in the first place. So he'd stepped unapologetically into Aziraphale's face, and with a snap of his fingers, he vanished the angel's stylish coat and lace cravat, along with his waistcoat and shirt. Aziraphale almost shrieked. What are you doing? What do you think? You expect me to bite your neck over three layers of fabric? What in the world did you do to my clothes? Relax, they're inside my house. Crowley rolled his eyes. Did you have to strip me entirely topless? Aziraphale's flushed cheeks were evident, even in the moonlight. Well, if you'd rather have blood all over your pretty shirt and waistcoat, I mean... The angel shifted from foot to foot, still looking uncomfortable and shaken. He wouldn't meet Crowley's eyes. I thank you, but next time let me... let me undress properly. It was expensive to have those clothes tailored, and I don't appreciate using miracles on them. Crowley made a sound bordering on rude. Noted. Hell's sake, you offered your blood up to a demon. I didn't expect you to be this fussy. Aziraphale made no reply to that. Crowley gave him a few seconds before he grabbed him by the shoulders. He felt the angel's warm skin prickle under his cold hands. Crowley dipped down, tilting his head to nose down Aziraphale's neck. His senses immediately converged on the flow of blood under the flushed skin, the quivering pulse just inches from Crowley's mouth. Um, the demon paused, his attention shifting back to the angel. He was tense under Crowley's hold. Body locked in place, but nearly shaking. Is it always like this? Aziraphale said, very quietly, his gaze on his boots speckled with sand. It's very... it's rather uncomfortable, is it not? To be so very intimate, for something so damned. Crowley went as still as Aziraphale. 
all his thoughts had come to a screeching halt to instead coagulate into an emotion that felt ugly and ghastly just like a xerophase works he didn't make a sound as he spun the angel around a xerophile inhaled shakily when he found himself facing the moonlit sea wordlessly crowley stepped behind him let the angel look upon beauty while a soulless beast feasted upon the scraps he offered afterwards crowley barely acknowledged xerophile's tentative smile and promised to return in a month's time and for years he wouldn't acknowledge that aziraphale was the sweetest most addicting thing he'd ever tasted by all means crowley could completely drain aziraphale and the angel would walk away unhurt and replenished within seconds he never did though his thirst was better controlled and the relief of regular monthly feedings meant that he could afford to drink just enough to dim the fire in his throat to embers it was also in both their favour to leave a healthy amount of blood in aziraphale's body during the throbbing cock in his hands was testament to that the little ritual was reaching the turning point now Crowley's mouth on Aziraphale's neck began to grow gentle and languid, while his hand became eager and demanding. In the mirror, he watched it all unfold. Aziraphale made for a lovely image always, but like this, he couldn't look farther from the angels that Crowley knew. His pretty pink mouth was slack drawing in gasping breaths that escaped in low drawn-out moans more often than not crowley couldn't see the sparkling blue of his eyes which fluttered shut with every jolt of pleasure that shot through him his blond curls were an untamable mess and where his body curved and rocked back and forth the obscene jut of his penis was prominent a dark angry red in the candlelight throughout it all crowley was nowhere to be seen and he smiled against the xerophil's neck as he jerked his cock watching the lute weigh the foreskin covered and unveiled the bulbous head with every stroke seemingly on its own precum continued to beat a steady overflow as a xerophile grew closer to his climax and crowley swiped his thumb over the head of his cock smearing the fluid everywhere the mirror reflected the very picture of debauchery an angel all by his lonesome swaying and moaning wantonly his clothes undone blood blooming on his neck and his sex erect and glistening and moving it was almost enough for crowley he got to have this to have a xerophile in ways the angel never gave himself to anyone else luckily for him it's not enough for a xerophile for all that crowley was a vampire he'd been amused 
and somewhat hardened to discover that between the two of them he wasn't the greedier creature. Aziraphale's hands, which had been stubbornly clenched by his sides the whole time, finally moved. They reached behind and found purchase on Crowley's hips, digging in his nails to hold the demons down. Then Aziraphale undulated again, bucking his cock into Crowley's fist and rocking back to rot insistently on the demon's own erection. Crowley swallowed another chuckle. His own carnal pleasure, while decidedly present, tended to retreat to the back of his mind while he fed. He was always more focused on a Aziraphale then, on savouring his sweet blood as well as his lush, beautiful body. He'd thought it a fair exchange, insofar as he cared about balancing the scales. But Aziraphale insisted on Crowley's pleasure as well. Some decades back, Crowley had got the inkling that, in truth, it played more into the angel's desires than his own, and he didn't mind delivering at all. He allowed Aziraphale to grind against him once more, enjoying the unspoken command conveyed through the angel's fingers tugging at his hips. With his thirst nearly quenched, Crowley could more clearly feel the heat and tension within him now. His stiff cock, which was earlier content to be teased through his trousers, now demanding attention. He was almost tempted to do nothing, to see if he could coax Aziraphale to verbally demand what he wanted. But it wasn't like them to speak during his feeding, to recognize out loud the things they did in the dark. He knew better than to push it. Crowley didn't bother removing his hands from Aziraphale. One miraculous thought had his trousers unfastened and down his thighs, and his shirt tails tucked under his own waistcoat. He enjoyed the momentary relief of having his cock freed from his tight confines. Then he thrust his hips forward to meet Aziraphale's, sliding the length of his shaft between his plump ass cheeks. They met once a month, first at Crowley's place for nearly a year, and then later, when the demon was satisfied that Aziraphale was keeping his word about not harming him, at the angel's various abodes as well. The routine fell into place easily enough. Awkward, somewhat very greetings, and then a few stilted remarks that passed off as small talk before Aziraphale would gesture for Crowley to get it over with. Then the undressing, followed by Crowley taking his designated spot behind the angel. When it was over, Aziraphale would incline his head in acknowledgement. But he'd keep his back to the demon, right up to the moment Crowley left. It was detached and clinical, a business transaction. 
or at least it would be a transaction had there been mutual benefits. And Seraphim might insist that assuring human safety from at least one vampire demon was his earnings, but Crowley wasn't romantic enough to believe in that level of altruism. Crowley took a Seraphim gave. That was all there was to it. He wasn't unaware that despite the worried tension that lingered, he took pleasure in sharing this experience with Aziraphale. The angel was intriguing, unlike any of his brethren that Crowley had encountered over the millennia. He was undeniably lovely in looks, his cherubic face belying the fierceness that stood between humans and their predators and a blush body speaking to years of indulgence in earthly comforts. Nothing like the harsh, callous beings that hailed from heaven, or hell for that matter. The things Crowley learned of Aziraphale were through his monthly glimpses into the life the angel led. He'd walk into Aziraphale's residence and let his eyes wander, marking the mountains of books that reached higher every time he saw them. The plates of finished dinners with an opened bottle of wine beside them, figurines and trinkets that Crowley recognized from cultures on the other side of the world, from eras long lost to the sense of time. Just like Crowley, Aziraphale was a myriad of stories just waiting to be told. Both of them were ancient beings that had witnessed the slow march of the universe from long before the Earth was even hinted at on her grand plan. Only the angel never told Crowley his stories, not from his own mouth. Crowley was left to wonder, longing to ask, but it was not his right. He didn't care for the awkward silences that befell their every meeting, however. He suspected it was Aziraphale's manner of maintaining some modicum of distance, when there was none to be had when a vampire was at his back, fangs deep in his neck. It was mostly for this reason that Crowley began to pepper their greetings and pre-feed exchanges with teasing remarks most of them crafted to poke at Aziraphale's sensibilities and rile him up. Crowley was never serious in his ribbing, and it didn't take very long for Aziraphale to learn the nature of his prodding. And though Aziraphale didn't actively engage in Crowley's invitations for a party, it at least eased the atmosphere between them somewhat. Surprisingly, it had also brought to light how Crowley could start giving back to Aziraphale. On a night he smelt hummus on Aziraphale's breath, he paused his drinking to draw. What's this garlicky tang in your blood tonight, angel? Was tonight's dinner a sneaky attempt to poison me? Aziraphale made an affronted sound. What? I would never! What is this nonsense? You're perfectly aware that our consumption has little effect on our blood. 
We're not humans. Crowley chuckled, wafting his breath over Zerophil's neck. I know, said Earl. That comment was entirely unnecessary. There was a pause. I'm not allowed to say anything in jest, then. That's not... They were in the rooms Aziraphale rented in Sicily, standing in the middle of a small kitchenette. Aziraphale was facing his kitchen table, and he rested his palms on the top, studying the woodwork. I just meant there's no cause to speak while you feed, is there? The demon arched an eyebrow, though Aziraphale couldn't see his expression. What's this really about? Another beat of silence passed before Xerophil said, It just makes this whole ordeal stranger. How so? Crowley magnanimously decided not to take offense at ordeal. What I mean is, your drinking from my neck is already... Xerophil waved an aimless hand and Crowley abruptly recalled what the angel had said that very first night. What? Crowley growled, unable to sound neutral suddenly. Too intimate? Aziraphale faced him then, turning his head to meet Crowley's golden eyes over his left shoulder. That's it, isn't it? You think it shouldn't be Possible for something so utterly damned to feel like an act of intimacy. And now what? My teasing you during this damnable act got you feeling even closer to me? He made a sound of disgust. Can't have that now, can we? What would heaven think? Aziraphale blinked, lips parting. Surprise flashed across his face. I... Crowley... I didn't realize. I'm sorry. He straightened, the act bringing him slightly closer to the demon. I didn't mean to offend when I said that. Nah, it was just a truth for you, wasn't it? Demons are fallen from grace. Therefore, they are damned. Vampires have no souls. Therefore, they are damned. You thought what you were taught. But answer me this, Aziraphale. How can you be condemned when you were made to be that way? Aziraphale's mouth moved, but no sound came out. She crafted the first vampire, the first werewolf, every single monster out there, just like she crafted the first humans. And since then, every human that was turned into one of them faced that fate without being given a choice. So, tell me, Angel. Crowley tilted his head, meeting Aziraphale's white eyes unblinkingly. Why are we the damned? For a long minute, neither of them spoke. Then Aziraphale took a deep breath. I'm sorry. I didn't think of it that way. Nor do I know the answer. Crowley shrugged, affecting carelessness. You are right, however, about what you said. I was... It still surprises me that blood-drinking, the 
comes this way. Not damned and intimate, he added quickly when Crowley scowled. But I simply have no idea it could be pleasurable. That elicited a snort from the demon. What did you imagine? Vampiric thirst is consuming. Of course it's fucking pleasant to finally drown it out. I didn't mean... Xerophil was blushing a shade so deep, Crowley would suspect a fever if he didn't know better. I did not mean pleasurable, just for you. And for the first time since they'd struck their arrangement, Xerophil turned around to face him. Crowley's eyes swept over him, darting over the blonde chest hair visible from where Xerophil's shirt was undone and pulled down a shoulder. Nothing looked out of the ordinary until he noticed, under the swell of the angel's plump stomach, the unmistakable bulge of an erection in sensible brown breeches. Crowley's jaw dropped open. Forgive me, Xerophil said quickly lowering his gaze. He wrung his hands together, fiddling with his fingers until the knuckles cracked. It's never my intention to. I never wanted to make you uncomfortable. But I cannot always control my corporation's reactions. He fell silent when Crowley abruptly raised a hand. The demon bit his lip. Eyes still on Aziraphale's burgeoning interest. His first reaction was one of silent joy and gratification. To think that all this time he'd been intrigued by Aziraphale, now to discover that to some degree the angel was, in turn, attracted to him too. His second reaction, however, was to stifle the first. Crowley had always been a quick thinker, and from the angel's discomposure, it wouldn't be clearer that Aziraphale wouldn't react positively to being told that he fancied a demon, a vampire. They weren't there, and Crowley didn't dare to contemplate adding a yet to the end of that thought. His third was to light up with a new idea one that thrilled Crowley far more than he was willing to admit. It's good to know that this experience is pleasurable for you, Aziraphale, he began carefully. It is? Aziraphale's eyes snapped up. I finally know how to pay you back. The angel didn't comprehend him at first, blinking in puzzled befuddlement. Your pleasure in exchange for mine. What? Aziraphale drew back, his rear hitting the edge of his kitchen table. Don't be ridiculous. I'm not asking that of you. You're not asking. I'm offering. Just like I didn't ask for your blood, what you offered. When there was no answer... Crowley approached him again, gesturing for Xerophil to face the table once more. Let's try it once, at least. No harm in seeing if it's something amenable to the both of us. If not, 
before we suddenly stop. But, as you have here began, sounding a little helpless when Crowley took his position behind him again. And I won't speak while drinking. Only pleasure for pleasure. How about that? The angel didn't reply this time, but he tilted his head, inviting Crowley's mouth back to his neck. And when Crowley's hands went not to his hips or shoulders, but to the fastening of his preachers, he didn't stop him. Nor would he ever stop him on any other night. Gently, Crowley retracted his fangs from Aziraphale's neck and took a final sip of blood before he swiped his tongue over the little pinpricks, peeling them over. He did not remove his mouth from Aziraphale's skin, however. He wouldn't until Aziraphale had shaken a part in his arms. It wouldn't do for Crowley to finish his meal first, to leave any room for argument that what they were doing wasn't a mere transaction. The moment his lips left Aziraphale's neck, he'd have no excuse to keep his hands on the angel to press his cold skin against his warm body. The soft flesh of Aziraphale's buttocks parted easily when Crowley pushed in, molding around the hard length of him. Rocking his hips languidly, he breathed out a silent miracle that left his cock coated in oil. The jump of pleasure brought by the sudden slick slide dragged a moan out of him, matched by a whimper from Aziraphale. A part of Crowley longed to lean back and look at the way his dripping prick moved between Aziraphale's plump cheeks. To see the wet streaks of oil and Crowley's own fluid soiled the angel's flushed skin. But he didn't lift his head, mouthing what neither of them would admit were kisses along the zero bit's neck. The angel's grip loosened on Crowley's hips, but didn't let go, changing seamlessly into an encouraging touch as their bodies rocked and pressed together. In the mirror, Crowley could see a Xerophil bite down on his lower lip, trying to muffle his sounds of pleasure, now increasing in volume. Feeling a flash of disapproval, Crowley scraped his fangs over Xerophil's neck and squeezed his fingers under the head of his cock. Oh, God! Xerophil barely cut off the babbled blasphemy in time, his entire body convulsing. Crowley's mouth curved into a smirk. He nuzzled at Aziraphale's neck, sucking languidly on the skin bruised from his earlier feeding, and resumed his strokes on the angel's leg. He was growing close now. Crowley could sense it in the way he trembled, the jumping rhythm of his hips fucking into Crowley's hand, and the lack of coordination when he tried to match the strokes of Crowley's cock between his buttocks. The demon was so tempted to speak then, to whisper filthy words of praise and sweet nothings into Aziraphale's ear, until the pleasure became too much to bear, and he let go. 
but that was not the done thing. Crowley crept Aziraphale by the hair and tilted his face back to drive his fangs into his neck one last time. With a choked-off sob, Aziraphale came, spilling over Crowley's incessant hand to splatter the silvered glass mirror with splotches of thick white. His reflection was a glorious thing, his body arched back and shaking all over, the vulnerable stretch of his throat completely exposed, and his pulsing cock still held up by Crowley's invisible hand. Seaman dribbled over the demon's fingers, appearing disembodied and floating. The angel sacked completely against him then, just heaving with the force of his parts. Crowley tightened his arm around his waist and held him, releasing his cock with one final stroke. His own was still erect and aching, held snugly in the space between Aziraphale's ass cheeks, but that didn't matter. It never really had. This was it. The end of their transaction. Another night checked off in their arrangement until the next month rolled around. When Aziraphale's breaths quietened and evened out, Crowley braced himself for the angel to pull away, like he always did, to put distance between them and utter their parting greetings, signaling for Crowley to leave. Tonight, however, there was a gentle shift in the air. Aziraphale opened his eyes. From within the embrace of Crowley's arms, he looked in the mirror, but not at himself. His eyes sought the empty space above his left shoulder, fixing almost directly on where Crowley's eyes were. It tucked at something in Crowley's gut, leaving him winded in that way, only Aziraphale was capable of. Swallowing, Crowley began to move, reaching down to pull up Aziraphale's trousers and return him to a state of modesty. A miracle worked alongside his hands to hitch up his own pantaloons over his still hard prick, which he ignored. Turning to Aziraphale's shirt, Crowley just remembered to heal the reopened wounds on his neck with a swift click before he pulled the article back into place. The angel led him, leaving his hands hanging by his sides while Crowley buttoned him back up. At the end, Aziraphale still seemed indecent, his shirt untucked and layers missing in the form of his waistcoat and cravat. But Crowley wouldn't dare go that far. He stepped away, sweeping his palms unnecessarily down himself, as though he didn't know his clothes were immaculate. His throat was dry. Something was different, but he couldn't pinpoint it. And he wasn't willing to stick around and misstep, trying to figure it out. Crowley headed to the window, the one that always opened for him. Aziraphale would face the mirror until he left, as per the norm, 
and Crowley would endure his usual cycle of waiting until the next full moon when Zerophil would let him back in. Perhaps one night Zerophil would finally talk. He might tell Crowley about his cherished books, share the stories behind the trinkets he treasured, suggest sharing one of the dinners he so loved. And maybe one night he wouldn't turn his back when Crowley leaned down to taste a snack. Maybe he let Crowley draw him into his lap and hold the demon in turn while he fed and gave back the pleasure. There might come a night when Aziraphale would truly invite him in, but it wasn't tonight, and that was fine. What they had so far was good, and it was foolish to want more. He reached the opened window and began to step up onto the cell. Crowley? The demon froze. He twisted around and inhaled sharply at the side of Aziraphale, his back turned not to Crowley, but the mirror. I... Aziraphale hesitated, his hands coming up to ring in front of his stomach in a tick that Crowley was dearly familiar with now. I know that you just fed, and I imagine you must be quite full by now. Crowley blinked, surprised by the remark. He waited, not daring to interrupt and scare Aziraphale from speaking his mind. The angel met his gaze, blushing, and yet wholly unafraid. But surely even demonic vampires partake in dessert every once in a while? Crowley blinked again, mouth slackening. It took a mortifying amount of time for him to process what Aziraphale had just said, what he meant. Dessert, he echoed numbly. What did you have in mind? I have a parish wet, I'm eager to sample. Aziraphale bit his lip, trepidation clouding his eyes as he searched the demon's face. Yet the spark of hope shone through. Crowley stepped down, back into the bedroom. He smiled at the invitation. The end.